You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rainstock Play. England's test team once again collapsed in a humiliating heap as the tourists lost the final test against the West Indies by a staggering 10 wickets in the Grenada Sun. Another match and series down the drain for Joe Root's men. How longer can Root cling on, we ask, as the test side remains tormented by the same old mistakes. England's women, on the other hand, nonchalantly brushed aside Bangladesh to record their fourth straight World Cup win, reaching the knockout stages in the process. We'll look ahead to what promises to be a thrilling round of semi-final games at the Women's World Cup. And finally, over in India, while Will Smith was hitting Chris Rock in LA, Odin Smith has been hitting the ball at the park for Punjab Kings as the IPL has roared into life. All of that, Zach's quick question and much more on this week's Rainstop Play. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Rain Stop Play. I'm back again hosting. Glenn, you're here this week. Great job last week hosting, by the way. Uh, thanks for filling in. What did you make uh, my poor attempt to bring in some pop culture to the to the podcast after last night's Oscars? <laughs> I appreciate it. We were just laughing off uh, off air about uh, Smiths lining up perfectly. You know, yeah. you, you can't you can't write that stuff. You literally can't write that stuff. Um, <laughs> and I'm joined by Zach as well. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, excited for this week's part. Looking forward to getting straight in to the big story um, in part one with the West Indies versus England. As I said at the top, uh, in part two, we'll look at the IPL. Uh, and in part three, we'll do the rest. Women's World Cup, Australia versus Pakistan, Bangladesh, South Africa as well. There's a lot going on. We'll try and fill you all in in the next hour or so. But right here, right now, we have to talk about one team and one man in particular, and that is Joe Root and his captaincy coming off the back of a 1-0 series defeat in the West Indies uh, the third test finished uh, the other day I can't remember because there was like a, an hour's worth of a day maybe on Sunday morning it finished uh, the West Indies won by 10 wickets England bowled out for 204 in the first innings uh, West Indies replying with 297 before the collapse I'd suggest of 120 all out but then the West Indies chased down 28 to win by those 10 wickets um, Joshua De Silva man of the uh, player of the match uh, Craig Brathwaite, player of the series. Um, we we have to talk about Joe Root, boys, because that is all that the back pages are talking about, all the cricket columnists are talking about. And it is, can this man still captain the England Test team anymore? And that is an absolutely valid question after this series, I think. 
he was lucky to survive the ashes. Uh, I think we can all agree. Andrew Strauss obviously seeing some hunger and appetite there. Uh, I think we were all impressed by the first two test matches, which again is fine. That was that was their own two thing. But this last test match was a, a disaster. All the same problems coming up again with um, a group of young men who we know can play cricket, but clearly not being led by the right person, in my opinion. Obviously, a lot of chat is that there's no options to replace Root, um, which is fair. But I, I think, and we'll get onto opinions in a minute, I think that can't be an excuse anymore. Um, so quite simply, Glenn, I'll put it to you now. Uh, who do you think, or maybe I'll reframe it as, will Joe Root be captaining in the England test side when New Zealand come to town in the summer? Yeah, it's the hot button question, isn't it, Dan? Uh, let's put it this way. Knowing the England setup, unfortunately, as, as intimately as we seem to, I wouldn't be surprised if he is still captain. That, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. That's number one. Uh, obviously, you're going to foreground that with a wider question of should he be captain? And this kind of really sad English flowchart, if he isn't going to be captain, who else? Who else? Yeah. Right. And this this takes us to the crux of the issue. I want to refer really briefly to a great piece by Vic Marks in The Guardian, which was published, I think, today or yesterday. Um, and in this piece, he, he really got me thinking about what it means to be a captaincy, which what it means to be a captain and what the captaincy really is, you know, in, in 2022. And he says that we should... Um, uh, view the captaincy differently now. Um, in recent times, he writes, it's become a presidential term. With a few failed interlopers, the England captaincy has passed from Athers to Hussein to Vaughan to Strauss and Cook, then Root, in roughly four-year cycles, as if it's this kind of holy grail. It's been imbued, and this is me now, with this real sense of mystique and power in, in a very presidential sense. And I, I really like that framing of it. Um, and then he's imploring, uh, Marx is imploring us to kind of break this. And as an example of looking at breaking these cycles, he turns us towards australia and he says listen they've they've kind of made this work they've had Payne had this kind of stewardship of the team for a while now we've come into pat cummins um who is a a great player a great uh, cricketer but he doesn't necessarily have experience of captaincy um and it's been good for him right it's been a massive success he's been a superb captain now I really agree with this. I think it was a sensational piece. I'd uh, advise everyone uh, having a listen who's interested in this kind of broader broader captaincy debate, you know, what it means to be a captain for England and maybe how much power should be conferred with that. Um, and yeah, I do feel like we, we have a way. We, we, we basically kind of fetishize um, what it means to be the captain of this English team. You have to be the best player and you have to do it for four years. Clearly that hasn't worked. So yeah, let's break that mold. Um, so yes, I think we need to freshen it up. I think for as magnificent as a player as he is, and he is a modern great, one of the greatest players, uh, batters England has ever had, never will have. I firmly believe that. He's an unbelievable player. Um, it, it, his decision-making with, with the captaincy hat on has been lacklustre. Um, and we could probably argue that we haven't gotten the best out of some of the players we should have in this current structure. Point being, I still don't have the the actual real real important answer which is who is the next person um we i i I may cede the floor to zach to get some names going because i'll tell you what dan i can probably shout down i can give you two or three reasons why somebody zach or you may suggest shouldn't be captain but when you're going to come to me and say okay who else yes i'm going to be clutching at straws as much as anyone else so yeah that's my initial thoughts on it just to get us started but it's it goes deeper than one person and maybe we should start rethinking what it really means to be a captain for an england team in 2022 are you saying, Glenn, we should uh, give it Stokesy till the end of the season? <laughs> it has to be Moise. Um, I've been watching those memes recently and, and good, good reference there, Zach. Um, 
gosh, I like that gun. And for, and for those listening who want perhaps more chat about the game, I don't think you're going to get it from this podcast. I think we really do want to kind of delve down deep into the the England captaincy here because it is because it is the issue. And I think one point I want to start a discussion with is that this is not a good team that Joe Root is having to manage, and that's fine. Um, no one's saying this is a great team and he's failing in there. But what Root uh, can't do or seemingly can't do is make a team more than the sum of its parts. And that that's um, that was, again, there's been some cracking journalism knocking around. I want to reference Chris Stocks in the eye, who I think I nicked that, that phrase from there. Um, and that he can get a group of lads, and he's all talented lads, and we know they are. And, and we've seen it on this tour alone, on slightly flatter decks, but doing their thing. Yet Roots can't seem to put this together. And he's a bad reader of pitches. Uh, he's a bad selector. Um who Nasser Hussain suggested in another good piece in the mail that he likes to pick yes men. Um, and then Zach, and I'm going to come to you with some big, big thoughts here. So I look forward to having to say, but obviously roots a big issue that we're talking about now. However, the wider structure of English cricket um, with injuries, the poorly executed rotation policy, COVID bubble fatigue, dressing room disharmony, poor selection, player mismanagement, the list goes on and on with things that are outside Root's hands. Um, do you think, Zach, that as well as the captaincy going, whether you agree on that or not, let us know, you know, picking the coach and picking the managing director over the next few weeks is going to be so important to really restructure this whole thing because it's clearly nothing, something's wrong deep to its core. Yeah, I think they're kind of, they're related, they're one on the same issue. It's problems structurally and I saw one, I don't know who said it, so I can't credit them, on Twitter saying the only option, because obviously there isn't really anyone who can replace Root, as Glenn said, the only option is if we get a coach who is, you know, proper hands-on and then we kind of just go series by series. Captain doesn't matter as much. It's about this, you know, big personality coach. And if you kind of, <coughs> I don't know who that could be. Got a cough oh, at the Christ, please no. Um, <laughs> and then, but then also if you go, if you get a good managing director in Rob Key, it seems to have been yeah, the name kind of name. bandied around. And obviously, you know, it's interesting that it was a, it was a kind of random thing in kind of sky publishing this, who he works with all of his kind of mates on Twitter were saying he kind of fancies it. And then after all of that support, he comes out and says, Oh yeah, wouldn't mind that. No, there's no, nothing else. I saw, uh, at all, is there? I saw Marcus, <laughs> I saw Marcus North's name being knocked around as well for that managing director role, which is sort of like, you know, he'll be the the big dog uh, in the ECB. Um, let's, let's, let's focus slightly more in on the captaincy then. And, and I think we're all in agreement that Root's position is untenable. A run of one win in 17 test matches. England currently sit bottom of the World Test Championship rankings, uh, which is now another, another metric by which we can tell you that this is a really bad England team. Um I think that there's no the, the idea of no options is an, is not an excuse anymore because you know we're going insane here um, because we can't keep going with this. Do, do you do you think opposite Zach? Do you think that is okay? And and do you think actually if suddenly we were to call Billings back up for his second Test match and give him the armband, that would be more madness. That's that's more maddening than, than carrying on with Root. Do you, do you think that? I think that's definitely more maddening. Someone <laughs> yeah. in their second Test match who you know, hasn't played an amazing, and like a lot of first-class cricket recently. Okay, he is, he is club captain at Kent. So he has done it, but he hasn't played that many games recently. So he hasn't captained that much. He hasn't, 
he doesn't kind of every time he goes into a franchise team, he doesn't go in and just captain. He's not kind of one of those players, you know, who just comes in and is a leader like Morgan. Obviously, I'm not saying Morgan. You that just said been, Morgan. You just that said is Morgan. Mental. The, the the Morgan chat is hilarious. Yeah. Alongside the Vince chat, we can't you can't bring someone in. It's bad enough the fact that so my problem is who out of the top seven can you say guaranteed or who out of the 11 is guaranteed to be in the side when we go to Pakistan in November? That's a nice place to place it actually is, is that is November get the English summer out of the way. And you're right. There is, and it is probably Ben Stokes. Now I think it's worth talking about Glenn, isn't he? Because he does a heck of a lot for English cricket. He seems to carry the dressing room regardless of his, um, you know, official title, I think as, as a figure in that dressing room is very important. He bats, he bowls, he fields. I'm sure there's a lot of media stuff as well. You know, he is the guy. He's just come back from a break, citing his mental health and sort of getting away from the game for a while. It feels like the last thing that we can do now to another generational talent is give him the armband. And as much as I've, I, you know, I've not got a prop, you know, that's absolutely fine, but he is the most realistic option. We've, we've mentioned Billings, Morgan and Vince there as names that are being banded around because they can have captained a team before. But Stokes is the only real option for uh, someone who will actually play cricket for England for a while yet. Yeah, I don't think Stokes is the answer. You've obviously cited uh, mental health stuff, which again seems to just be kind of pushed away just because we need him in this team, right? You're still seeing the prioritisation of his job over his mental health. Another completely separate facet is, you know, there was the whole thing in Bristol. And again, that in, in a, you know, not to compare it mental health at all, completely separate thing. But, you know, that whole violent incident in Bristol, again, for, in my opinion, at least seemed to get brushed aside a little bit just because he is such a magnificent cricketer. And I just don't really think you shouldn't really be vice captain. You definitely shouldn't be good captain if on a Friday night, Saturday night, you're going around Bristol beating, beating the living light out of people for whatever reason you pick to say in court. I don't care what that is. I don't think the England captain should be punching people ahead around around Bristol. So for for many reasons, not not to mention as on a, in a purely cricketing field, he's doing too much already, right? His yeah. body is breaking down. Again, this is not compared, you know, mental health and physical health, but you know they should be treated equally. But at the same time, as he's clearly struggled off the field and should have been probably potentially given more time um, to you know to, to look after himself, his body's being broken down after every spell. He seems to limp off for 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 a couple of minutes, and it's it, you, we we know he is he is one unfortunate bowling spell away from a serious long-term setback and all the captaincy is going to do is heap the pressure on himself not just to get runs but to get wickets as well he sees himself quite rightly he is a gen again a generational talent he sees himself as a winner with the bat the ball in the field we're already seeing him you know we saw it earlier in the series when he took the ball and he played that he had that ridiculously long spell just to try and force a wicket when the game was already gone bringing that kind of mentality to the captaincy position is only going to break him down i i I can't see stokes being tenable at all for any of those three reasons uh yeah no one name looking at this list and to try and answer zach's question yeah, sure. There's not the guarantee. You look at Johnny Bairstow as hopefully a player who, considering how how good he how good he plays spin, if he were to have just a very solid, very solid, I think he he should and I hope will be in the eleven against New Zealand. Were he just to have a straightforward averaging just around thirty, the keeping we'll get into in a minute, maybe thirty five, forty. It's so low, it's such low expectations. Well, yes, but 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 realistic expectations, right, Dan? Yeah, I think yeah. looking at someone, Zach asks Pakistan. 
I, I look at Johnny Bairstow, and I think this is a player who's come back into the team. He's a bit, he's a very, he, 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 he gets people motivated. He seems like a really nice bloke. Quality. This isn't a comparison. To I still like Ben Stokes, don't get me wrong. But Bairstow is a very, it feels like a very quiet yet generous personality who should be playing the next two series, who has a real, again, close knowledge of this England setup across different formats. Now, he is a name potentially that comes to me that I think were he to be given just that maybe I don't like the word interim, but maybe if, again, we detach from these long kind of terms in our head, we say this isn't a four year captaincy. This is a six month captaincy yeah. just to get things different, just to get us going. I look at Johnny Bairstow and I think, well, this is a player who's given everything for England across all formats. He cares. He batted relatively well in this series and he plays spin well. So I'm looking at him as my only name where I'd be like, well, it is what it is at this point. Uh couple of rebuttals there Glenn and I think you made good points I think Ben Stokes when he did have to captain the one day team against Pakistan uh, when he had children playing because the main team had COVID they won 4-0 so you can obviously inspire dressing room of players who aren't that good which is exactly what the England test team is now but I think I lean toward agreeing on he'll be too run down he can't do all that he does do we can't sacrifice what is a very useful four seamer for a captain Maybe we can. That's perhaps a discussion for later. And now that's the first time I've heard Bearstow's name mentioned in this chat. And it's simply because, uh, has he captained anywhere else before? Zach, is it, is it an issue that he hasn't captained anywhere before? Is it something we need to look around? I did just just I got thinking about uh, about uh, Johnny B as we started recording about five minutes ago and I was doing some quick 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 um, searching. I don't think he's captain before. So again, you know that's a that's a mark against your spot on Dan. Um, he was actually I I, I I was quickly searching Johnny Besto captain. Welsh Fire were quite sad and frustrated because he was down and this is quite funny and Zach knows Zach knows this. He was down to be their captain. He they would build a team around as much as you want yeah. to say that for a hundred. He was yeah. a key person for the welsh fire and you have just just to speak to we're talking about test cricket here you had the you had um, the, the head coach of welsh fire kind of lamenting the fact that johnny was back playing test cricket because he could only play for welsh fire twice so he was down to captain them in terms of real experience in the longer format absolutely none so that clearly is something that wouldn't be helpful is is that a major problem zach do you think can, can we start looking at people who haven't captain sides before and just go yeah this is an this is an important player in the england dressing room right now this is a player who will play for a while and i love your framing glenn that you got from that vic marks piece of you know let's stop thinking these long cycles and start thinking in the short term perhaps the route the ralph ranyak of the team i like to re- re- reference man united a lot on this team you know someone who can just do the job for the summer and that bit of winter what do you think zach I like that. My my thoughts as as Glenn was speaking was to the idea of a a job share. Maybe maybe we move to kind of just a, a leadership group where we're leadership group that can't go wrong. You know, yeah, exactly. Where we have maybe Stokes, Bearstow, Root, maybe giving a little bit of input, but maybe not. Not, not maybe at the toss not. or at the team selection, preferably. No, no. But you know, have kind of Stokes officially captain or best officially captain and but there's but we get feelings from the squad that it's it's not it's not one captain we're a, we're a leadership group now we 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 work for each other you know get i don't know who else really could be involved in that because everyone else you well could preferably say, broad and anderson wokes, when but, they get reselected again but yeah. that's a whole different that we could do a whole other pod on that it, it's interesting these conversations we're having boys because we're at our wits end with this test team and i think the rest of the country is and I just wish you weren't having to have this conversation. Do you know what I mean? It's not good. But we are all in agreement that Root needs to go. But I want to say we're also all in agreement that he'll probably still be in charge 
come the New Zealand series. I, I know, I know, Glenn, you mentioned that at the top there. Zach, do you agree that, and you like doing this, you know, when, when we're doing England picking teams, we'll go, this is the team we all want to see, but this is what England will do. And that is the same as captaincy, <laughs> right? And Root is going to be in charge come, come the New Zealand test. Yeah, he's he's going to be in charge. <laughs> and we've got some big roles to fill and the managing director and then a coach needs to come in. A lot of people are saying that if Root doesn't go himself, which doesn't sound like he's going to, this new hierarchy in the ECB need to do that for him. Again, you don't think that's, neither of you think that's going to happen? You, no, no one's going to push him? Uh, Who, who's there? Who's that's there to push I, him? Oh man, it's, that's it's what it's going to go around in circles, aren't we? I, I said that, Zach, you, you, you beat me to it. Yeah, who's going to, the people who would fire him have been fired. It's like a ghost ship, right? He's just, <laughs> there's, there's no one left to tell him to go home. <laughs> okay, let's, I've had enough of Root Chat now. I, what have we learned from this series? Like England quite disrespectfully have gone to this tour looking to try and learn some lessons and they've learned it's still about test team and I'm glad the West Indies did them in the end because I think it showed them one of them, quite frankly. Um, what, what have we learned from this England team? I, I still think, to my, not to my core, it's not that deep, but generally, as a, as a founding thought I have, that this top seven works um, and you can probably tinker with an opener, maybe we could talk about Dom Sibley's form, and you can maybe tinker with the keeping situation. So despite those two dreadful collapses and our 10 and 11 holding up that first innings, I still think this is a, uh, a, a core, a decent team. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I was at least fully on board with that, uh, as we all were, because we're playing on, you know, uh, on, on roads, everyone's scoring runs, fill your boots kind of thing. Yeah, we were all a little bit more energized about that top seven after the first two tests right what does worry me is that we didn't have one collapse in this in this final decisive game the only game may i add Dan, where there was a bit of pressure on england right because yeah. this is a winner takes all game the minute there's pressure the minute there's more home fans than away fans in the ground england wilt completely wilt and what troubles me and i in complete agreement with you in terms of that kind of you know top 70 looking looking all right you just you just look at how they um they fell apart right so um 204 all out the the person in the top seven i want to say with the highest runs in the first innings was lees with 31 the next highest score of the top seven uh was someone with eight runs um and then you look at the second innings lees magically 31 was clearly his cap for this that's game his number, because he, yeah that's his that's his number he, he he got his he went for a walk after that um so again in the top two four five he's the top scorer with 31 the next person is eight in the top five you know it, it, that is just frustrating as we all know we look at the shot selection and the decision making the wider decision making this kind of sense of complete chaos that that that, that really just um caught in you know engulfed the whole english team in the second innings you've got players leaving when they shouldn't uh, when they shouldn't dan lawrence you've got players not knowing whether to leave or hit it like ben stokes who should know better who feathers one behind you've got the two worst defenders, for me, Zach Crawley, playing two audacious drives in two innings, which is not appropriate for an opener. But the worst one was almost Ben Folks, just the decision making for that run. It was it was like, uh, you know, Colt Cricket it was under 14. So you you look at this chaos and then you said earlier, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sticking with this, Dan, because we're trying to look a little bit more long term than the New Zealand test. You're looking away from home um, or, you know, when we're, when we're playing Pakistan in the winter and you know, if if this kind of sense of complete being flustered so easily, the sense of chaos can can really engulf this team so easily, then maybe that top seven isn't built, isn't built. What's missing from this top seven? Yeah. Something is, right? 
That's, yeah, that's, that, that's, that is a good point because, I, yeah, I can't sit here and defend that top seven with those two collapses you're already saying. And this brings me on to the sort of wider issues with selection and the kind of talent we're picking. Um, since This is a nice little Reddit piece. Since the start of 2015, England have given test debuts to 25 different batters, all-rounders, keepers. Only Rory Burns averages above 30 out of those 25 people. So is that the talent we're picking? Is that our attention to Red Bull cricket, you know, down below where we can't see it? Um, what is it? Do you know what I mean? Like we're getting, I'm getting too big a picture here probably, but you know, that is part of the problem as well as the captaincy and the decision-making of the players and the panic that seems to perpetually run through this dressing room. I think it's time we accept something. England aren't very good at test cricket. We we concentrate on it. We're not going to, we're still not going to be very good at it. We were good at it for a generation. And unless we can pinch some very good South Africans again, we're not going to be good at it. But how do we get good at it again, Zach? I think we all want us to. I think culturally, English cricket likes us to be good. I know we do like the white ball and we love the World Cup. But we want to be good or at least competent at test cricket, not bottom of all the test playing nations. That can't be the way it is. Or alternatively, we could stop playing test cricket altogether and just watch test cricket and we watch India play test cricket, we can watch Pakistan play test cricket, we can watch Australia play test cricket, and South Africa, New Zealand, all these teams, we can watch them play against each other and actually just enjoy the game. When it's competitive, it's enjoyable. And, you know, if a team collapses, which they probably won't because they're not England, <laughs> then it's fine. But And we can enjoy watching England at the stuff they're good at, which is the white ball cricket. Let's just stop. Stop the wow. pain. Okay? Wow. I want to ask if this fatalism is the official Crickviz line, Zach. Is that is that, is that company line? Go, Zach goes to the office once and comes back absolutely desolate, just dead inside. Um, I think that should probably wrap up our England chat. I think that's a nice place to leave it, Zach. We would love to hear what you have to say about the captaincy, about England Test cricket in general. Should England stop playing Test cricket? Who do you think can be captain? Uh, let us know on Twitter. We're at RainStopPod. Uh, you can find our Discord channel there as well, where we have lots of heated debate, such as this uh, in text format. Um, we have to mention the West Indies um, winning a Test series. Um, the crowd in Grenada were fantastic. Like you said, Glenn, more home fans and away fans for the first time in this series. Um, it was a lovely atmosphere. You know, this isn't a great West Indian Test team, but some really solid individual performances. Carl Mayer's coming in um, and bamboozling everybody. De Silva's sort of dogged, I'm not getting out. We're going to eke a lead here-ness. Um, and yeah, it's it's good for them. I don't see really where they're going, but, you know, good for them. That, that, that's all I've got to say. I don't know if you boys are going anything else on the West Indies. It does feel like England, England lost this game rather than the West Indies winning it. Is that unfair, perhaps? I, th- I think that is a little unfair. I think I think the West Indies uh, were probably, you know, what overall um, better. They, they, they've they, they've um, they've got the win, you know, and they, they without a doubt, obviously, were better, were substantially better in this final test. Um, don't agree as we touched on last week, Zach. You know, with this maybe discourse around winning draws for England in one of the first few tests, no chance. You know, West Indies played well. It was a winning draw for them because they, you know, got results when they needed it. Um, yeah, we, we kind of touched on it just before we got on got on air. Like, there's just something I can't quite put my finger on with this with this um, West Indian team. Like, Brathwaite obviously had this stunning knock um, and seems to be a very 
quiet, composed, confident captain. I quite like his captaincy, actually. It was quite refreshing to have <laughs> a team with no chat. captaincy, with no <laughs> captaincy chat. Um, but then you look at the kind of middle order, you know, Brooks, Bonner, Blackwood. There was most of them had at least one score. It was almost impossible not to on those absolute roads in the first two games. But at least in my opinion, I should have pulled up the, the highest run scorers. Obviously, it would have been Brathwaite, but you'd imagine. But yeah, nobody in the kind of West Indies team really jumped out and said, hey, you know, I am a world-class test player, really. Brathwaite's innings, I think De Silva, uh, even aside from that 100, which was magnificent, I loved the way he celebrated. I loved the way he bats. He was very handy. He's batting quite low down the order, and he just got these really handy 30s. 30, 30, 30, bang. Yeah. He, actually, he actually can can push in. He played for, was it, 355 minutes. Your wicketkeeper playing for 355 minutes in one innings and getting 100 whilst batting with the tail. That yeah. is world-class to me. So I thought he had a superb series. And the bowlers kind of shared around the wickets. You know, I, I like this bowling attack. I love watching Kemar Roach steam in. Yeah, I, I, Joseph, I, I never can quite put my finger on him. And Seals is quite exciting. But yeah, it's quite funny. They had their best result when they just binned off the spinner, who was having a pretty rough series. So what they did is they got their selection right down. They look like a much more well-drilled, well-kind of managed team in that sense. And they, one of the reasons they beat us quite handily within four days, they didn't need the fifth day, they didn't need half of the fourth day, mm. was because they played to the pitch. And that's something we could learn from. Blimey. Great summary there, Glenn. I, there's been a lot of chat about Josh Drew De Silva's position in the batting order because he bats at, he bat, he bat at eight. He bat below Carmez and below Jason Holder and whether he should bat higher because obviously he's... He's very competent. He doesn't. His average isn't great though. But you know, he looked very good in that in in this innings, and I, I think he generally looks like a very good player. I was I'm always shocked when I see his average is so low, because you know he looks like he can bat. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ah, he's got a pretty solid defense. Um, but should he bat higher? Because he doesn't accelerate like Holder can. So maybe they should swap. And I, I kind of like the idea that maybe Holder should go lower because Holder can accelerate with the tail if needed. I also think De Silva shepherds the tail quite well, though. I don't think if Holder's kicking off, he can't shepherd those guys who, you know, we see Roach can hang around for many, many deliveries. And um, perhaps he's better down there because he's a bit of a slower scorer as well. Um, but he definitely impressed. And he definitely got the assist with the Johnny Bairstow wicket, uh, giving me a little chirp about his strike rate, uh, just to watch him hoik across the line and nick off. So I quite that was that was also quite funny. So good for him. Uh, congratulations to the West Indies. That is, a, that is a good series win for them. It's definitely something they can, they can build on. Okay, that'll about do for part one. In part two, we'll take a look at the thrilling Women's World Cup. Hello and welcome back to part two. We're going to take a look at the Women's World Cup now, which just keeps delivering these stunning games, these unbelievable finishes. Um, we've got our semi-final lineup now. And as a man who I've not followed it as closely as I would have liked to, to see England in there is pretty huge. As I said at the top, they've gone on a, a four-game winning streak to get themselves into the semi-final. Um, 
And after asking Zach or Will or somebody a couple of weeks ago whether we needed a full women's reset, I apologise. Well done, ladies. Um, hopefully we can, you know, go a few steps further here. So our semi-final lineup is Australia versus West Indies and South Africa versus England. But that isn't half of the story. I'm going to pass over to Zach to give us sort of a just a summary of what's been going on. There's been some crazy finishes. How did England get here after that disastrous start? Um, and how were your predictions more importantly, actually? We can now look at some predictions that you, uh, Will and Ellie, looked at in your preview. So how did that all get on as well? So I've made the decision I'm going to retire from making predictions on anything other than women's ODI cricket because, ah. because of top run scorers. So I picked Meg Lanning to be my top run scorer, but then I also picked Laura Wolvard to be my breakout star. Laura Wolvard is currently top run scorer and Meg Lanning is second. Nice. And okay, well done, Zach. Me and Will both picked Sophie Eccleston to be top wicket taker and she is currently top wicket taker. So, you know, I mean, they were safe predictions, to be fair, but... You've got to commit to that. you got to commit to that. Uh, exactly. How about your teams to the semi-finals? Is any... So, like, it's, for someone who doesn't follow women's cricket that closely and, and might just want to tune in for the semi-finals, are these four teams, like, the strongest four teams of the tournament or, you know, have been the strongest four teams in this cycle of women's cricket? Or have we got a couple of surprises in there? So, you'd have to say that England, South Africa and Australia, of course, Australia, are the probably the best three with with australia out in front and then south africa and england kind of vying for that second spot which is shown in the in the table yeah you know south africa finished second south africa probably slightly better than england but you know on their day and then other than that i'd have said new zealand or india are more likely than west indies we've said from the start west indies they're a lot of fun because they could be anyone on their day but they also you know they've managed, they managed to lose to they lost to Pakistan, who were one of the weaker sides. They nearly lost to Bangladesh, who were, again, one of the weaker sides in the tournament. But, you know, then they, they, they've beaten England. They've beaten New Zealand. So they could they could beat anyone, and they're a lot of fun. And so seeing them in the semifinals is great. They could beat Australia. They could do on their day. Oh, why not? I, why not? I hope they do. I, I think they probably won't because, you know, Australia is so strong. But they could do it. Them making the semi-finals was down to the fact that India needed to go. They had to go to South Africa and get a result. We also didn't actually go to South Africa. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I was like, hold on, I thought this was in New Zealand. But uh, this was a really exciting game. It was the last game of the group stage, and India hit two seven four to start with, and you know, brilliant innings. Verma getting a fifty, Mandana and Mitali Raj all getting fifties as well. You know, brilliant innings. You thought, wow, that's, that's a lot of runs. So a lot of runs, and it ended up coming down to the last over. Laura Wolvard got 80, you know, brilliant innings again from her. She's been so consistent throughout the tournament, hence why she is top run getter. And then it came down to the last over, and with three balls to go, no, sorry, with two balls to go, they needed three runs. And it was like, oh, you know, it's, re- it's, it's close here. Obviously, if they get a boundary, it's over. But, you know, if they get... If they get a single, could we have a super over? That chat was going on in the commentary box. It's about about quarter to nine, I think, English time in the morning. So was, I'd just woken up. I hadn't watched much of it, but I watched the last kind of five overs. And at that point, I was thinking, nah, South Africa, there's no way South Africa are getting this. And a, a delivery is bold, hoiked out to the to the leg side to, to long on, caught. The Indian players go mad. It means they need three from one, going to be a new batter. 
you know, it's all India. And then they, the the umpires make make her wait, and it's like, oh my god, they're doing a no ball check. And it, and it was a no ball, and it was just the the range of emotions in that moment because obviously it goes from them needing three from one delivery to two from two, and <laughs> it's a free hit. Oh, so it was it's, like that then. Oh, so you know, then it was then they just got you know one from each of the last two balls, and it was comfortable, and that was India done. There's been there was a video that I saw today. It was two two like about two and a half minute video where it shows kind of the different views whilst it was happening you know one of those classic videos and it included the west indies changing room or not changing room sorry the where the room where the west indies team were watching it because obviously they needed south africa to win to go through it had some of the indian commentators it shows you know the com the, the like commentary box at the time and the different range of emotions was was brilliant and what a moment so dramatic so the context there briefly was that if if that hadn't been a no ball and india had won that game the West Indies wouldn't be in the semi-finals, but because South Africa won, West Indies got their their ticket through to the semis. That is crazy. And India won, and for some reason, Julian Goswami wasn't on the field. I don't know if it was because she wasn't playing. I presume so. She was dropped. She was dropped. She was dropped. Yeah. Is she is, and was that the end of her career as well? I feel like she's is she retired now. She's a. She had a pretty poor tournament. I watched a lot of her bowling. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't as good as it usually is. Yeah. And she was also kind of one of the views in this video where she was in the changing rooms, you know, really, really tense. And it would have been one more game that she could have played in and could have been picked in if, if she'd have managed to get through. But it's a shame. But yeah, well done, West Indies. It was great summaries. It was a great game. And with, with the time difference and me, I, I had to go to bed at a terrible time, about 30 overs into the chase, maybe about 35 in. And I knew it was going to be close. I was trying to hang on it was 3 a.m and I just, I just couldn't do it but there was a moment midway through the innings 26th over and tw- 27th over and 28th over where um where south africa lost their two set batters right wolvart and goodall were, were done in by the spinners um some really good captaincy um from india and the two set batters were, were out within the space of about six or seven balls and that was for me felt like a turning point and i was pretty certain when i was going to bed that south africa wouldn't be getting it and that india would just just have enough runs on the board it's a big total that's a lot of that is a lot of runs to chase um and i mean what a game and it was amazing that the commentators were saying throughout the match like this has been we've been blessed with this tournament we've had so many close finishes we've had photo finishes would you believe it you know an hour two hours later this is one of the closest ones in the entire tournament if not you can't get any closer of an odr than going to the final ball that's fantastic and the, the quality on show as, as as this whole tournament has been was superb and just it was a shame because in a way i wanted i wanted india to win because obviously they 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 wanted needs to win this to go through south africa you know they they were already through right down this is this is why it was so interesting yet they still pulled out the bag and managed this fantastic chase so just just, just how fantastic competitive it was. Those cuts to the West Indian dressing room were just so entertaining. Um, every wicket, every Indian wicket they got, everyone would just slump down and be like, that's that. Just the stakes for this one game and for this final over, you, you can't write it. It's World Cup cricket at its best. It's crazy how this tournament has been so good and that it feels like one close finish has fueled another close finish and just has like the whole level has come up because they're all seeing each other play really well in these really close games. Um, Do you think we'll see that in semi-finals, Zach? I'm going to, I'm going to make you do predictions again now, just because we've got our semi-finals set. Do you expect two more really close games here as this tournament starts to wrap up? Hopefully, Dan, I really hope they're close. I think Australia do have the ability to blow away West Indies, but I hope they, they they take them close and then 
South Africa, England is is going to shape up to being a really exciting game, I think. Okay, Zach, you said they're going to be close games. Um, so, you know, you have to stick your neck out still and give me some predictions. What's our final going to look like? Um, and we won't actually be back before the final finishes, which is on Sunday the 3rd of April. So, give me who's going in the final and then who's going to back to win it. I know it's a bit of a long shot with how close these games have been, but what's your what's your gut feeling? I think England are going to get over the line against South Africa and Australia are going to get over the line against West Indies. I think they're both going to be close. And then I think England are going to lose to Australia for, you know, the 15th time this year in the final. It's not going to be that close. It's going to be, it's going to be annoying, but we'll have to remember at the time from where England came and for how they were at the beginning of this tournament, getting to the final, even getting to the semi-finals, is, yeah, is very right. Good. This this is a success now, where we're sat with a semi-final appearance. It feels like, you know, beating Australia in the final would be the healing process that every oh. England fan needs, wouldn't it? Oh, oh my the goodness. narrative there would be just <laughs> gorgeous. You could eat it. You could take a bite out of that narrative. Uh, let's hope for that. But I think I agree with you, Zach. That um, from what I've been reading and listening to you guys, it feels like an England uh, Australia final would be two very good teams going at it. The two semi-finals take place at some time this week on a Wednesday, Thursday, maybe later on a Tuesday. If you live elsewhere, work it out yourself. That's not our job. Enjoy the cricket. The final is on a Sunday, though. I can tell you that much. Um, that will do for part two. In part three, we'll go around the grounds everywhere else uh, to the IPL and round up Pakistan versus Australia. Hello, welcome back to uh, the third and final part of this week's Rain Stop Play. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for getting this far. More importantly, welcome. Welcome to part three. It gets a bit weird over here. Um, we're going to round up the last few bits of cricket that went on last week, uh, which includes the third and final test between Australia and Pakistan. I know you two boys in last week's pod spoke about maybe day one or day two, but obviously we have a result now, which is obviously nice to talk about. Uh, Australia won it by 115 runs, uh, winning the series 1-0. So two test series that have gone on at the minute had two really dead pitches to start. Nil-nil. Finally could force a result in the last one. Um, Australia uh, made 391 in their first innings. Usman Khawaja, again, top scoring 91. His form is outrageous. Uh, Pakistan's response was 268, which included, I think, their record batting collapse um, from 214 for two to 268 all out. The bottom three and four, one was a not out, batters making a duck. That was an incredibly long tail. That opened the door for Australia, who made 227 for three, declared. Guess we got 100 not out. Usman Khawaja, who is averaging above 100 uh, since his return to Test cricket, I think. Something ridiculous like that. Um, so that set Pakistan a target of 351 with a fair chunk of overs to go. And at one point, Pakistan were 142 for two, looking fairly stable. And then that long tail collapsed and some very skillful bowling uh, from Nathan Lyon got them over the line. Um, fascinating series in the end, chaps. Um, it did was worryingly flat and then kicked into life. Um, but Australia won this. I thought their bowling was very, very skillful. Uh, reading some sort of Pakistan Twitter comments, they didn't seem too pleased with this middle order long tail issue for them, um, which on, you know, spinning and reversing pitches clearly didn't help them out. Uh, but it felt like Australia sort of cemented themselves as the number one test side in the world, Zach. They've, they've finally gone away 
and won a test match in a test series. So fair play to them, I guess. Yeah, this was this was an unbelievable result because it really did seem like I watched a fair chunk of day three of this and where they collapsed and it did seem so flat. It was just again, it was, you know, oh, this is gonna be another boring draw. And then brilliant spell from both Cummins and Stark, you know, bowling in tandem, just tore through, you know, starting from starting from the top. They tore through Azar Ali and then kind of just kept taking wickets at that end. Fowder Lamb had a pretty poor tour. I think the paces kind of had him on toast. You know, Rizwan didn't really get that many runs. What well, he obviously did earlier in the series, and then Sajid Khan at seven is is definitely a place too high. That's not on, is it? And that and that's what caused those two collapses. And, and you're right; it was nearly a draw again, wasn't it? Until this spell of bowling, which opened the whole match up, opened the whole series up, and we kind of saw a little bit more of Pakistan's frailties and I think of of Australia's real strength when, when that door was ajar. Yeah, absolutely, just brilliant bowling. And then worth mentioning, you know. Nathan Lyons had a fair amount of criticism, you know, levelled at him, and some of it's kind of fair enough for how he's he doesn't seem to have got Australia over the line in those kind of fourth innings recently. It seems like it's been a while since he has. There's been a few, you know, Headingley, couple of times in Sydney now, either of the games in the earlier part of this series. Right, scratch that out because Australia didn't bat didn't. Australia did batted last in both those earlier games. So that's just a lie. <laughs> I think you can cut there, surely. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay, fine. Come on, all over the place. We need to get today. you off this pod ASAP before you say something you really regret. <laughs> yeah, but credit where it's due, he bowled really well. I'm a bit worried about Swepson. He didn't take that many wickets. Obviously, he's very new to the side, but. Australia have cast aside quite a lot of second spinners in the past or a lot of spinners, you know, between between the late great Shane Warne and, and Nathan Lyon. There was a lot of people who got a go and didn't really do it, including Steve Smith, who obviously, you know, now is a, a batter. <laughs> but yeah, very well done from Lyon. How many more times is he going to get to do this? Nice little question that what is in like he might retire or like just like you this is toward the end of his career sort of thing because you're, you're right about him not 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 getting the fifers in the fourth innings that he, he probably should have this is a good chance to see him do that again and he has been around for a while but like with joe root who do you replace him with probably no one yeah i i, I think the thing before coming into this year i just said oh yeah he could he could easily have a quality year get another get 50 wickets get really up there with the kind of you know, the top 10 all-time bowlers, if you get up to that kind of like 450 towards 500 and you could really propel himself up there. But it's, it's been a bit of a dip in form. Be interesting to see how he goes. You know, they've got a few more tests in, they've got tests in Sri Lanka and India, maybe later this year, there's talk about the India test being moved to early next year instead now. But it's quite a lot of tests in Asia. He should dominate in those tests. These ones are a bit different because it's been really flat. The next two tests are both are both at Gaul, and we saw we saw what happened last year in Gaul. Gaul turns, so uh, bat big, bat once, then Nathan Lyon bowls him out. Well, Australian strategist there, Glenn. What'd you make? What'd you make of this series? What'd you make of this game? I mean, for me, Australia were were super impressive. 
Yeah, it's a it's a huge win for them, really, isn't it? And it's a huge win for Pat Cummins. I mean, we've just obviously just we won't go back into the nuances of we're just looking at the kind of captaincy crisis for England. I mean, he's just come in. Not only is he is he um, you know overseeing a seriously impressive win away from home in very different conditions, he was also equal top wicket taker in the in the series with Nathan Lyon. Both of them pouching twelve each. Uh, Cummins had an average of twenty two point five. I mean, you could see the damage he could do with a new ball, but more importantly. The, an old ball when it's reversing and then you've touched on it uh, and acknowledged um, just the quality and guile of longevity at the crease of Usman Khawaja the man, he got five innings 496 runs an average of 165.33 <laughs> It's just make believe it's like fantasy cricket and obviously it goes that saying player of the player of the um, series but you know you've said it you said it really well you know he has come in back into this team because of, you know, head to head being unwell. And since he, he's got his feet back in the crease for Australia with the national shirt on and test form against England, he has just continued to operate at a higher level than arguably any other batsman in the world right now. It is unbelievable to sustain that over two series, maybe a series and a half, say. Unbelievable. In, in, in different conditions. This was away from home. It wasn't like he had two home tests back to back and you just pick up your form. He's doing it. He's doing it in uh, Pakistan as well. Unbelievable. I mean, what a what a win for for Australia. If you if you take those two really dead pitches into mind as well, for them to get a result on the pitch that was doing something, oh, you, you dreamy for them. I mean, congrats. They they they're, they're a seriously good test outfit right now. Yeah, and for me, it was just good to see them. Like, you know, it's it's a bit of a meme now, and it's a bit of banter, but to actually go away from home and win a test series against a pretty good test side, you know, good to see that this this is shaping up to be a you know. A very, very good test team for a while. Um, okay, before we wrap up this week, uh, the IPL has just kicked off. Um, if you want to listen to our IPL preview with Ben Jones and QuickViz, that is still and always will be available on our podcast feed. And it's still probably kind of relevant if you're wanting to catch up and, and get yourself started in this tournament and work out who's who and who's good and who's bad. Um, some of the predictions might seem a bit garish now, uh, a week in or so. But uh, Zach, just sort of update us with what's, what's happened. The opening punches have been thrown. Uh, any surprises and anything worth sort of chatting about in this first IPL week? So for, for anyone who's interested in my, in in the way I've gone in, you know, just IPL business, oh, which I know you are, are Dan, but I, I don't know if anyone else yeah. is. Um, <laughs> in the most inevitable thing to happen, probably in the last century, the team <laughs> I've stopped supporting, KKR, battered csk bowled really well bowled them you know kept them to 135 and it was it was a hell of a lot less than that that was actually some very good hitting at the end by uh, ms Dhoni and, and Ravi jadeja to get them up to even that total and chased it down with ease of course they did of course they did i don't support them anymore of course they're really good now and then and they, beat, and and they beat the rain they beat the reigning champs in what they in, beat in the, the final so yeah, they do often do that. that. I like that. I like that in the IPL that they kind of make the final the first game of the next yeah, season. It's always good, good fun. Yeah, which I kind of forgot wasn't just always Mumbai versus Chennai. I always thought they just started with Mumbai versus Chennai, but no, that's, it's just they start with the final. The so final. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, great result for them. We've had Mumbai got beaten by Delhi. And again, there's been, there's been some good cricket in this because Delhi were nowhere... They were 72 for five from about on, on about the 10 over mark, needing another 100 runs. And your favourite person in the world, Aksar Patel, did something with the bat, which I don't think we've really seen from him because he's always talked about as this all rounder. But I don't think I've ever really seen him actually do it with the bat. But 
he, he did, did it, it with the, the bat. bat. He's like a left arm Washington Sundar, right? Maybe I maybe I can like begin to like him again if if we frame him in that context. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, brilliant innings, thirty eight runs, seventeen balls. <laughs> Can't really ask for much more as a finisher. In the later game, we had a mental chase where Punjab, which we mentioned, Odin Smith. That's why I mentioned him, Punjab Kings. They look weird though, Punjab. Their bowling attack doesn't look up to scratch. And then this this batting lineup is obviously competent, but I just feel like it's not gonna it's got no longevity to it. They need KG Rabada fast and they need KG Rabada in top, top form. They don't yeah. need KG Rabada in last year's form. They need KG Rabada back to his absolute best, you know, when he was just when's taking he, wickets for fun. When's he due? When 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 have we got him? So I think he isn't playing in the test series between Bangladesh and South Africa, so he should be flying over kind of now. We'll probably have to do a little bit of quarantine, so I think he maybe missed one more game. And then also Johnny Bairstow as well will come into that side. But of course, and we, we saw a bit of Liam Livingston um, with, with a bit of bowling, with a bit of batting. That was good. But yeah, for, for those watching the IPL who want some, in, you know, you might not be a fan if you are, you've got your team, but if you're not, just watch out for Lucknow and KKR. And the lower Lucknow are and the higher KKR are, that would be funny. That would be good pod content. Well, yeah, speaking of that, of course, the team I now support, uh, we're in a very bad spot earlier today. 29 for four. They recovered to get 158, which Ooh, you know, handy. pretty good from there. Some some really bad. Kale Rahul getting a first baller in the first ball of the game. I was like, uh-oh, here we go. We lads. built we built that opening partnership up so hard as well. I know. <laughs> I know. It's embarrassing, isn't it? And they both got single figures scores. <laughs> uh, but oh. then they nearly did it. And then Rahul Tawatia did what Rahul Tawatia does once a year. And he was just absolutely as we were as we were recording the earlier parts of this, he was just absolutely smacking around our spinners and I'm sorry, Kel Rahul, but I know that Tuatia is a really good spin hitter. If I know that, you should know that. So don't bowl spin at him. Yeah, if you're sat in an office at the Oval, sweating away in one of those small little sort of holes over there, there's no way that they don't know that. And they're bowling him. It's crazy. You should you, you should start tweeting louder or something, Zach. Get these guys listening to you. I don't know. Can you tweet louder? I don't know. All in caps. I can give it a go. Yeah, good luck with that. Um... Well, that's your IPL update. It is very fresh. So, uh, you know, our IPL preview with Ben Jones, still very relevant, well worth a listen um, to hear more about Zach's um, flip-flopping between IPL teams. I'm not going to, you're never going to live it down. Right, to round off this week's episode, as always, we have one of Zach's quick questions. We need to, we need to just touch on how much you ruined it last week, Glenn. I wasn't here last week, saw the episode title come out and thought, this will be fun. And then, you simply answer. You answered the question, which is ridiculous. On Zach's quick question, the whole point is the listener goes away. They come back next week, <laughs> ready to find out the answer. But no, or was it Kent there and then? You're a Kent. I'm glad. I'm glad that the clickbaity, the clickbaity title got you interested as well. well you got me. <laughs> I wouldn't listen otherwise. <laughs> I I just can't believe how fast he was. I thought at least he would. At least maybe he'd think about it a bit, or maybe he would give the listeners a second to think about it. No, no, there's no, unless there's like some diehard Somerset <laughs> fans out there listening, no one else would have got that quicker. Glenn was the quickest. Um, so well done for that. So for those who didn't hear it, Zach, what was the question and answer? I can't, it was something about Tom Banton, wasn't it? So Tom Banton has scored four centuries. He, at the time he'd scored a century in, in a county warm up game on la, this time last week. Ah. That was why he was in our thoughts. Hence he'd scored four hundreds. 
He scored 400s for Somerset, two in one-day cricket and two in T20s. One of them was against Worcestershire, and three of them were against the same team. He just loves playing Kent. And they seem to always be on TV as well. You know, they're the one blast game that's on TV. Tom Banton rocks up, scores a ton. Great fun. Okay, good bit of good bit of quick questioning. Um, we like that. That was that was like definition quick question. I was thinking like it's a quick question. Here's a quick answer. See you next week. <laughs> uh, Zach, uh, round us off for this week. What is your question? And we will withhold the answer if we know it. So we we spoke about England captains earlier in the pod. Who is the most recent England Test captain? I'm going to caveat this with to have captained in at least five Tests because you've had a you know. Stokes has done it a little bit, you know. Yeah. Triscothic did it for like once or twice. Who is the most recent England Test captain who we don't regularly, again, that's a bit subjective, see make media appearances? How do we quantify this? What is a regular <laughs> media appearance? Just a media appearance that we see like, in oh, the media. Wow, because Twitter come into play? <laughs> so, because if you think about it, like I think Kelly. about... Yes, because there is, of course, you have a few that are on commentary all the time. Yeah. Including Cook, Strauss does quite a lot, or did until he yeah. recently. Obviously, Athers, Vaughan. Hussein. Hussein. Flintoff. This is where, where I say I mean, media. Flintoff's transcended media and has become his but own. That's sort what of I mean. That's, what, that's why I have to call it media because I can't say commentary because Flintoff doesn't really do commentary, but he's everywhere. He's the media still. very much. Okay. Um, is it Heather Knight? Is it like, or is it a men's? Is it the answer a man? The answer is a man. Okay. Uh, was it Red Bull or White Bull? Test. Test. Captain. Test. Sorry. I missed. Yes. England it says, it says directly captain. in front of me on this sheet. Okay. What a fascinating question! You 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 were obviously so pissed off at Glenn doing it last week. You're like, here is here is here is a subjective question for us to sort of open the floor with. I'm looking forward to seeing the answer or hearing the answer to this. Um, if you know before next week's pod comes out, do tweet us at rainstoppod. Our Discord channel's on there as always. Uh, fascinating question there, Zach. Very very well done. We do enjoy. A quick question. Uh, that will wrap it up for this week. We hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening, Glenn. You're pondering that question, I can see, but uh, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, I'm deep in thought. I'm deep in thought. Yeah, cheers, Dan. <laughs> thank you very much, Zach. Great work, as always, carrying us through the IPL, the Women's World Cup, and some question that I look forward to hearing it next week. Thank you. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back same time next week. Until then, goodbye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.